this week's podcast, we're going to be discussing the top five reasons why each one of us should like some other band. Um, I'm going to be, or well, not band, but musical artist. I will be presenting the top five reasons for why Beam should not hate Drake so much. And I'm going to present the top five reasons as to why Corey should at least like the Foo Fighters a little bit more than he does. We've been been having this debate for years, and, you know, Beam is a huge fan of the Foo Fighters, and I'm just really kind of so-so on them, and our friends insist on playing covers of them, and Beam insists on playing them a lot. Yeah, because they're amazing. And, you know, similarly... When we're at tailgates, I insist on playing Drake. In fact, when we're at tailgates, there is an entire 30-minute section of the tailgate that is called Drake Hour. It's really where I get myself pumped up for the game by listening to a bunch of Drake songs and dancing like this. Because everyone you can see that. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm grooving right now. And to be fair to you, it has worked every damn time. Yeah, I mean, every time we go to a game, the Bills win, and every time everybody else at the tailgate at least has a pretty good time while Drake's on. You even have joined in recently, and I requested a song. Yeah, you requested you requested a Drake song. So, you know, we've been having this debate about you know my love of Drake and his love of the Foo Fighters, and I don't the, know why the two tie together. It's just they, two they, they really, really odd bands that... <laughs> well, not bands, but musical artists, as you said, that we, for whatever reason, it's the it's the one of each of ours in our catalog of music that we listen to that we just fundamentally disagree on. I think it's just because it's funny. And to be perfectly honest, I don't necessarily hate Drake's music. I kind of just hate Drake. And my issue is I can't really separate the man from the music or the man or the person from the art. So it's kind of hard for me to just be like, yeah, Drake's killing it right now. So two questions that I have. The first is, you know, you mentioned separating the artist from the art. So how about, for instance, Kanye? Where do you stand on Kanye? Can't listen to Kanye anymore. No. Well, I'm not going to listen to his new stuff. What about, about old Kanye? I mean, we we spent we like, definitely listened to late, ago, re- late registration. registration. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm sorry. I can't. I, I, let me correct myself. All right. I can't listen to new. I've not listened to Sunday Service. I see everyone posting their photos of them listening to it on Instagram. Well, that's but also, I have not listened to that's it. That's also just because it's really bad. It's not particularly good. People like it. I know some people do, but they're wrong. Like some people <laughs> like Yay as well, and Yay was not very good. <laughs> it was not very good. No. So like. But that's the thing is, like, I get separating the art from the artist when it's not very good, but Drake's good. Hit me with another one. Another question or another one separating art from artist? Kind of separating art from artist. Vincent Van Gogh. I don't know much. <laughs> me neither. I, <laughs> I just threw it out there. I just wanted to tell <laughs> I just wanted to I didn't mean any artist. I just wanted to point out your tragic lack of knowledge of classic art in the uh, what was it impressionist period yeah but how do you feel you couldn't even <laughs> say I, anything I, I went to the louvre once and looked at some vincent van gogh and it was nice cool you can go fuck yourself <laughs> but what i'm trying to say <laughs> so second question okay you mentioned that you can't separate so what is it that you dislike about drake like what specifically specifically yeah 
he's so fucking corny. <laughs> he is so goddamn corny. Like, listen, he's got some really great lines that someone else wrote for him, and he can deliver them very well. But otherwise, holy god damn is he corny. Like, really corny. Like, a box of cornflakes corny. Like, a field out in Iowa corny. You, you also want to talk to us about, uh, about the Toronto Raptors stuff? Because you really, you, re- you went on one about that. I just think he. I think he needs to tone it down. He's not playing in the game, is he? Definitely not. Trying to hitch himself to all these. I think about a week ago. Yeah. Motherfucker was doing an interview comparing himself to Nate Diaz. Mind you, he has thrown his support and taken several photos with Conor McGregor, but he's also done it with Max Holloway. Listen, the guy doesn't know who to root for. He just roots for whatever is good, and you know he's what? a fucking bandwagon jumper. I like it. I like it. And he, he, he does it in a way where he's not appropriating. And you know what? You're right. He's just super corny about it. He is super corny. I, I, <laughs> he's, he's, Box of Cornflakes is a great way to describe it. But it doesn't change the fact that Drake's a great guy. I love Drake. He's, he's he a, is not a great guy. And right, we will fair. get into that fair, in the podcast enough. as to why he is not. Take back a great guy. I don't mean great guy. I would never, ever want to have a beer with Drake. Do you ever want to? I don't even think he drinks beer. He probably drinks like... Right, I don't want to go to the strip club with Drake and he's drinking rosé of champagne and rosé and whatever else. <laughs> I have no interest. Um, but I still want to listen to his music. I, I really do. Listen, again, I actually can get down with it. I can't name any of the songs, really, but I can get down with his music. All right. And he just constantly keeps getting outclassed. Anyways, I'm going to keep going down the list of things as to why I hate him before we really actually jump into this podcast. But as you can tell, we are very, at least I know, I am very strong in my conviction about how much I hate Drake. Yeah, and well, see, I'm, honestly, I'm more blasé about the Foo Fighters. You just want to know, you just want to talk to someone as to as to really why. Right. Dave Grohl. And the Foo Fighters. Don't you fucking dare speak poorly of Dave Grohl. Sir Dave Grohl. He hasn't been knighted, but it's coming. (laughs) Can you be knighted when you're from America? I don't think you can. (laughs) See, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, my whole issue, and it's not not really even an issue. It's just like they get seemed to be lifted up on this pedestal of like rock gods. Uh Uh-huh in the same echelons of the Rolling Stones and of the Beatles and of Bob Dylan and of Jimi Hendrix and of like, they are treated like they're the modern era of like those bands. Can you name anyone that you believe is? Nirvana belongs. They are from the nineties. They belong in that upper echelon of rock bands they were pioneers. They were incredible. I think the replacements do, even though they never got the mainstream recognition that they deserved. I think the replacements belong in that upper echelon. I think that probably New Order and Joy Division belong in that upper echelon. But, you know, when I look at it and I look at the 90s, I don't think that the Foo Fighters belong in that conversation. I really don't. I think Third Eye Blind has more of a claim to that spot of 90s alternative rock bands that deserve to be discussed in that. And I know that's a that's a 
potentially real hot take. I am. <laughs> I can just see your I face. Am... I see the way you're looking at me. I'm just keeping myself from jumping across this table <laughs> and whacking you with one of these coffee mugs. Just bludgeoning you to death for such blasphemous statements. No, and see, like, this is this is where we're at with this. And this is why we need to have this out. And this is why we need to just really discuss it and not have it out in a physical way. I'm not. It might. Well, it might. It might. It might turn to it. And you know what? Hey, if it does, I think I'm going to win. You will. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> this is how strongly you feel. And I respect that. And I'm on, I'm, I'm on board with it. At the end of the day, they have two excellent songs that are worthy of all the praise in the world. Um, I think that they have, you know, five to seven songs beyond that that are good. And then I think that, you know, the rest of it is just kind of, eh, it exists. It's fine. It doesn't make me mad. But they don't have a catalog that deserves that upper echelon type of consideration. Um, and so that's where we're at. Hey. Yeah. You know who is in Nirvana? No, Dave Grohl. And I agree. Nirvana was his best work. He should have just continued being a drummer instead of, like, forming his own band and writing music. Like, just keep being a drummer and supporting other people who are really good at art. What do you think he does? What do you mean? He does exactly that while putting the Foo Fighters out into the world. Well, like, he does that, but, like, he does it for other mediocre bands that you really like, like Queens of the Stone Age and Eagles of Death Metal and whoever the hell else he does it for. His friendship was a good run. <laughs> it's over right now. This was the moment. This is the This is it. All right. You know what? Fine. I'll, I'll take it. I'm standing firm on Dave Grohl. Um, just to at least point out, Eagles of Death Metal? No. What do you mean? Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very into that. He does play drums for them, right? I'm not. No, Josh Homme does actually. Oh, that's yeah. where I'm getting confused. Yeah. Did he ever? Uh, no. We're about to get into it. Top five reasons why Drake is great. Top five reasons why Drake is not great. Top five reasons why Foo Fighters are amazing. And yeah, I think we're just gonna stop there. So uh, let's get into it. invited our good friend John Fran and he is going to mediate this whole discussion so that Beam does indeed not jump across the table and fight me. He will also act as the judge and jury and who ultimately wins this argument and you know we'll let John take it from here and discuss you know his feelings on the two. John so tell us about your relationship with Drake and the Foo Fighters. What do you got? There's a relationship with both. <laughs> that I'm, sounds so awkward. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a love triangle? No. No. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a very um, open relationship. I'm excited to play mediator, impartial judge on this one. I, I do enjoy both. Um, so I don't really agree with either one of your stances. And... Uh, I can sum it up best by I obviously knew the subject matter before coming in here to play this role in the podcast, but I have been pretty even coming in. I alternated songs between both, getting prepped up, 
and I uh, I can appreciate both. I think Foo Fighters have some fantastic music. Um, Drake is, you know, cornflake or not, I think he's I think he's he's got some really really good songs as well that play a part in our tailgating festivities and then Foo Fighters we play a lot of the songs and that's that's fun too so I uh, feel really good about both and uh, excited to hear your sides and, and I'll do my best to keep everyone in line you know I kind of wish we didn't ask him his opinion because that was kind of boring I at least wanted something out of there at least something definitive positive on both man so I don't know I, that's what that's where I'm at you gotta be honest. Stop trying to sway the judge, bro. That's what he's doing. <laughs> he's he's trying already. He wanted hotter takes, and that's what you guys are here for. We're here for the hot takes. He's here to be impartial. He's here to be boring, essentially. I did also say he's here to be boring. Delivery of your points are going to be important here. I I I do think I can hear out where you're at, and and we you know again I expect to be swayed somewhat here uh, because someone's got to rise to the top. So let's let's hear where you're at. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two reasons at once because my first two are linked. Opening statements. Yeah, go ahead. my opening statement, if you will. You, you want to go first, or you want me? No, I I'd actually kind of want to hear you go first. All right, all right. I'm, so, I'm willing to sit back here. So my first two points both link to the fact that Drake is a pioneer, and he is really important in a couple of ways. The first way that he's super important and that he is kind of a pioneer is he was one of the first rappers to really use the internet and use social media as a way to build his brand. And he was the first one to be like a real internet rapper. And you can you can argue that either way, whether that's a good thing or not. I think that in a lot of ways it's not, you know, there's a lot of SoundCloud rappers out there that are fucking awful and that have taken off, you know, like Takashi six, nine, like no one needs that, but you can't take away from the fact that Drake pioneered that shit. And he was the first one really putting himself out there on social media. And I think that, you know, you mentioned the way that he's corny, and I don't think anyone can deny the fact that he is corny, but I think that he has enough self-awareness about it that he goes out there on the internet, makes these really memeable things, like him fucking dancing in the hotline bling video, and him being super corny about it. And was that, that was intentional? I think so. I think he... Wait, wait, hold on. You think so? Yeah. I can't, I can't say definitively, can I? Well, no one's asked him that? Like in interviews? Well, I don't think... I think like any artist, he doesn't like reveal his true intentions. I think he lets the people do it. And so like he You're goes right. he out there... He is a there. true artist. I don't... I think he is. I think in ways he is an artist. And more so than an artist, he's a really fucking good businessman. And he understands the internet. And he puts himself out there in a way that can be memed. And these trolls will take it and spread it all over the place. He understands that... No matter what, any press is good press. He's getting his name out there, and he's just sitting back like, y'all can laugh at me. I'm just going to sit here and count my money. I don't care if you hate me. I don't care if you make fun of the way I dance in these videos. I don't care if you... Whatever. And I respect that, and I think that he deserves credit for pioneering the whole use of the internet as a way to spread his brand and spread his name. My second point in him being a pioneer. And I think that it's super, super important is that he made it okay to talk about feelings in rap and specifically mainstream rap, you know, for a long time before Drake really came out, 
rap was all about putting up a bit of a front and being tough. And whenever people expressed feelings, they were usually anger. And in a lot of ways, that's understandable. Like a lot of rappers have a lot of things to be angry about and that's okay. But Drake made it okay to be vulnerable and really talk about himself and his own feelings. And I have a little quote here um, from my main man, Shea Serrano. He wrote this in the rap yearbook when he was talking about how best I ever had is, you know, the most important rap song of 2009. And he said, Drake shifted rap in observable ways. The most important being that he commoditized the investigation of heartbreak better than any rapper ever had that made it in an acceptable business model. And so now there are a hundred thousand rappers rapping about their ninth grade girlfriend, and you can go either way with that. And I agree that you can go either way with that, whether that's a good thing or bad thing. But the fact is he pioneered it and he made it okay to talk about those things in rap. And I think that his whole album, nothing was the same. His best album, possibly his biggest album was a whole album about his feelings and investigating those feelings and he made it okay and a bunch of people jumped on that so those are my first two reasons about drake i don't necessarily disagree with that see here's the thing is that like with drake i I, like he's a great artist there's no there's no doubt about it my issue with him is really not about his music and it's not even as much that he's corny but i guess i'll get into that later but no those are those are valid those are valid, I would say, for Drake. Right. I mean, so in terms of Foo Fighters, though, now, do I think they're one of the greatest of all time? No. Do I think they go into, like, to the pantheon of, like, you know, did they did they change music forever? No, I don't think they did. I don't think they were, like, gigantic innovators or pioneers. However, like, they were just a straightforward rock band. You, we really don't have much of that. There's, like, every, I feel like, rock band that, like, sort of even comes out is starting to go into these weird experimentation, you know, experimentations and just, like... It not really panning out, but they thinking that's what is sort of the path that they need to go on. I mean, I think Incubus for a time, at least in the beginning, for me at least, were like a straightforward rock band. But then I feel like them, along with like a lot of other bands, just sort of go down this weird transition into like really awful poppy music. Which I feel like is what a lot of rock bands have been doing lately. Um, whereas like Foo Fighters, they're just no frills to them whatsoever you know they're literally just i mean it, it, and they're all like fantastic musicians like in their own right like taylor hawkins is like one of the best drummers in rock and roll taylor hawkins really is i think he's the best part about foo fighters he is incredible ooh, ooh. hot take hot take <laughs> i think like, he's great take. he's got you know he's also got a great singing voice like everything else like he goes out in front and you know the nice you know, thing they can do there is sit. Dave Grohl can just go back on the drums, who also is an amazing drummer. I don't know. Very amazing. Drummer. I don't know if he like rivals Taylor Hawkins. I mean, I don't know. They're both pretty amazing. Yeah. Fun fact: apparently, Taylor Hawkins was actually in Alanis Morissette's band before he joined Foo Fighters. Oh. And apparently, like, so when Color, I think it was when Color and the Shape came out. Which, by the way, and I, I'm I'm kind of mixing all of the points together. Here he goes. I don't really care. Color in the shape, though, I guess it was a situation where he had a drummer that was in the studio that they had been touring with them. So he, he had heard about the Foo Fighters. He had been in a Landis Morissette's band. He loved the album, but he had heard, too, that the drummer, like, just couldn't record. 
Like, just couldn't keep up, couldn't get the timing down, just couldn't... He's like, he was a good live drummer, he just wasn't a good studio drummer. Like, like just the difference of recording in that. And so Dave Grohl ended up going back and re-recording everything. I mean, the guy left, and he and then he was having a conversation with Taylor Hawkins, and Taylor Hawkins, and, like, he was like, so you want to be in the band? And Taylor's like, yeah, and he goes, but you're in Alanis Morissette. Like, this is when Alanis Morissette was, like, much more popular than Foo Fighters at that time. And he's still... Like, ironic, period? Yeah. That's, like, when Jagged Little Pill came out, I believe. It's a big, big fucking record. JLP. <laughs> Coming back, was it 25th anniversary, 20th anniversary it's back? Getting up for Jagged Little Pill? It's happening this summer. Yeah, dude. I'm stoked. Back to Foo Fighters. But anyways, Foo Fighters, yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. I just thought, I think that kind of just shows a power of who I think is actually the best and is the leading man, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl is one of the greatest human beings of all time. Hot take. I don't think that's a hot take. He's, like, one of the nicer dudes, like, that is famous and in rock and roll. Examples. Examples. I think it's more so just, like, I don't know, if you even watch any interviews with him, any sort of interactions, do you know of any bad thing that anyone has had to say about Dave Grohl other than Courtney Love? No. Which, Courtney Love? <laughs> um, Fair enough. That's not, not a hot take. <laughs> Courtney Love definitely doesn't have... I mean, how a is... lot of street cred in my eyes. What what she has to say doesn't really <laughs> ring true often. And I also think too that sort of with Dave Grohl, like in terms of examples. All right, so maybe it's not a clear example. Think about everyone he works with. It's literally everyone. <laughs> he is a great collaborator. He doesn't seem to have a problem with anyone. It's kind of amazing. And then like you know, the for the like the friendship that he even made with uh, uh, Led Zeppelin bassist. Can someone jog my memory here? John Paul Jones? Yeah. Them Crooked Vultures. Him, Josh Homme, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super band. Just fucking fantastic music. Yeah, next so, level. So, I don't know. I feel like they're just a band that, yes, while they aren't like Nirvana and they didn't bend genres, even though he was in Nirvana, uh, but... He wasn't responsible for the... No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Absolutely he, he not. He played the drums. That right. was his deal right but he's able to continue i don't think they've ever once as a band sacrificed sort of the sound or what they're going to do and have just become monstrous so um definitely monstrous we're through two points on both sides i guess you could say that we are i think we're at uh pioneer of internet rap and emotional rapper and we're at uh kind of all over the place really solid rock that got fucking huge and dave Grohl's good guy just uncompromising yeah i think, I think that's and taylor hawkins we got two thumbs up on two pretty much in the room on taylor, on taylor hawkins. hawkins and if i could at least a couple bullet points too as, as also some other actual examples on dave Grohl. oh yeah this is good his partnership with rick astley they have literally rick rolled live crowds and not to mention well actually rick astley wasn't a part of this they used like a giant fucking speaker went on the back of a pickup truck and drove by Westboro Baptist Church protesters <laughs> and rickrolled them. That's like Dude, one of the greatest things of all time. That is one of the greatest things <laughs> of all time. I didn't know it, but anything Rick Astley is going up in my anything book. Anything Rick Astley and anything that fucks with the Westboro Baptist Church, like, absolutely. So many good so things. Many on, so many good so much things on there. board. Now, but why they... that example wasn't the first point got me. It's fair. I really love never gonna give you up i also do it's a fantastic song it's so good it really is in every way i i I have nothing bad to say about rick astley and i love that dave kroll has embraced 
the absurdity of Rick Rolling and has just brought it like he brought to it back. his shows, he brought, brought it back. It back. Like it that's back. awesome. Good for him. I think didn't Rick Astley even like play the Thanksgiving Day Parade? I think he like literally like just Rick rolled an entire parade of people. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. When? Hold on. 2008. 2008 when he was in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Is this real? <laughs> was it a surprise looks, or was it planned? No, I, up like that. I don't good. know if it was, but I mean, we may have to cut this out just for those purposes, but uh, yeah, I want to watch it anyway. What is that? Was it Elmo? I don't know. Okay. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty high, and this is fucking with me a little bit. This isn't what I expected. What are those? I think think that's from where the wild things are. I think that's one of like the characters. Oh. Oh, I think that's what was Rick Astley on the soundtrack. (laughs) This is (laughs) fucking trippy. As I don't know what is. I don't even know. I mean, now I'm high after watching this. That's a great time to cut it. We got a lot out of that. Can we just talk about, though, he recalled the entire Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, uh, just, and all just the people for, watching. For everybody there, yeah. guys. So <laughs> Millions of people. The Rick Roll. Can you give us more on that? It, it was just know, like... Is that just Rick performing? Is Rick rolling a crowd? No, it was when... I no. think people would like... They'd say it's a, like, click on this link and you'll see this. And then it was Rick Astley. Yeah, it was like an inter- <laughs> It was like one of the first internet memes where like... And then it turned into like at a party, people would be like, oh, give me the iPad. Or give me the iPod. And like, they'd be like, oh, I'm going to put on a song. And then they'd put on Rick Astley. And, and it that's would be, Rick rolling the party? You would Rick roll the party. And so like, it's basically a surprise Astley. A surprise Astley appearance. Oh my God. <laughs> I have Rick rolled many then. <laughs> I am a Rick roller. And so according to celebritynetworth.com, sounds wait, incredible. Wait, wait, wait. Can we guess before you say it? Go for it. You wait, first. uh... Rick Astley's net worth. Now remember where he was peaking, and since it's more of like, can we talk about where we also fucked up appearances? Let's go twenty-one million. Okay, I I will go with forty-three million. Okay, Um, Corey was the closest. It's seventeen. It's sixteen. Fuck! (laughs) Damn it! See, I knew it wasn't as I was hoping for some more for Rick. I really was. You doubled me. That's that's a lot of fucking money. Well, look at what he does. Fair enough. Look at that parade. I don't, th- I don't think he's appreciated enough. I think he's actually appreciated a, a lot. I think, Yo. I think like now, I think before, no, I think before he wasn't, but now he's got this resurgence where like, it's kind of like Keanu. Anyways, so what were we talking Whoa, about? We've got to write some things down. <laughs> we got to, all right, we, we, we. Top we five ways out. Keanu and Rick Astley are the same matter, person. But for right now, we're just going to do a hard break on all of that. And we're going to go back to Corey for point number three. But do not forget the content. This is, we've got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, well, the Keanu thing is definitely happening. I've. I don't know how it hasn't happened. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we should have right. done that today. Hard story. Back to the points. <laughs> beam. Beam. Wait, before we go, I just, as I... <laughs> I thought we hard stopped Wait, no, this. no. I, I just, this is going back to the whole thing. We're getting back on track. Right, okay. But he was kind of floundering for a minute. He was he was like, Dave Grohl's a good guy, which is a... That's a soft argument. He really turned it around. Yeah. <laughs> he really, really turned it around. I don't know what he covered, but he did it. <laughs> 
Just wanted to say that. You you left feeling. I was great. <laughs> you left feeling like Dave Grohl is the best yeah, guy. See, he did something different. You went right in with some good points, a lot of supporting information, and Bean was like, I'm going to drop the ball. And then he was like, I I'm going to play Rick Astley. This, this like, throw will actually land in the hoop somehow. It feels great. I feel good that about it. That was like an Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary. Oh, man. That was like Tim Tebow somehow making it to the that's playoffs. A better, that's a better <laughs> thing right there. Four or three and a half quarters of I don't know what the fuck's going on, and somehow he, he, somehow he, he has an out. overtime win <laughs> on the first throw in overtime. Um, Rick Astley. Great. All right, Corey, number three. All right, number three. So, back to Drake. My third point about Drake is the way that he uses music videos as an extension of his art and he uses them as accompaniment pieces and things that, you know, one of the references or analogies I'll make is Childish Gambino did this in the best way possible with This Is America. Oh, man. And I think that, honestly, and I think this is where it's different from Drake, Childish Gambino, This Is America on its own isn't that great, but with the video, it elevates it to a whole nother level of just absolutely fucking legendary. And I think Drake does a really good job of using his music videos to elevate his pieces and to bring them to another level. And I think his music always is good on its own, but the music videos really elevate it. And so, you know, the nice for what video where he, used all these feminist icons to really big up the feminist message in the song. He included Michelle Rodriguez, Issa Rae, Rashida Jones, like all these feminist icons to just really big up the message. In In My Feelings, the video, he made this entire like nine minute short film that was essentially a tribute to New Orleans, which is what he was trying to pay homage to in the song is New Orleans bounce music, and he created this whole short film to do that, and I think that really elevated the song. You know, he made the Hell Yeah Fucking Right video um, with the Lil Wayne, where he re-bar mitzvahed himself and invited DJ Khaled and all a bunch of other rappers to his bar mitzvah party, and then made that a music video, which that's just fun and fucking awesome. The last one I want to reference, and I know Beam doesn't like him as a guy, but in the God's Plan video, he dedicated and donated his whole $990,000 budget for the video to people, and he filmed it and made it like a Love Drake Festival, which is whatever, but, you know, he donated a lot of money to people and made a lot of fucking people happy in his music video, and I quite like that. I have a question on a couple of those. Are okay. Is he doing some of that stuff? Like, is he actually, like, involved with, like you know, putting the, the production into these videos, or do you think he has supporting staff that is like, this will be something to elevate the platform of the song? You know, like the supporting staff he has for his lyrics. So, and this That's is... kind of, you know what I mean? You no, know and the this is... Going? I do, I do. And, you know, I think... You know what, since you asked, I'll just get into my number one point, which was my... Supposed to be my closing argument, because you Whoa. asked, like... I don't think we need to do this closing argument, man. Just go in. All right, I'm going in. So, you know, my... My big point with that is a lot of people hate on him for using ghostwriters. And he had this quote when he was interviewed about it in The Fader. And what he said, I need sometimes individuals to spark an idea so that I can take off running. Music at times can be a collaborative process, you know? 
who came up with this, who came up with that. For me, it's like I know what it takes to execute every single thing that I've done up until this point, and I'm not ashamed. And that is my big point, is I view it like Drake is the director of this movie. And he's bringing all these people together, the music video artists, the ghostwriters that he may or may not use for his lyrics, the people who he uses to produce it. And he's the director of this whole thing. So, you know, while all these people contribute to it, he ultimately deserves the credit because he's who puts it together. Just like the director of a film gets a lot of the credit for the film, even though all these people put into it. And just like the head coach of a football team gets a lot of the credit for what they do, even though they are using all these different people. And so, you know, I get all those arguments about Drake not being, you know, the guy who writes the lyrics. He didn't even write that song. I think that, you know, even if he's not necessarily coming up with the videos or the ideas, he's picking out the people's ideas and being like, yes, that's the one. That's what I want to do. And he obviously has input on these things. Like he He wouldn't make it if he doesn't. And so regardless of whether he's writing it, whether he's sparking the ideas, he's bringing it all together and making it the thing. Well, there's lots, I feel like, rappers, though, that like obviously do that sort of thing. But I feel like the lyrics is kind of a more personal kind of like... That's where <clears throat> exactly where my... Do you need is. a director for your lyrics? I mean... Like, that's kind of weird. And like, a musician like, about, would not know right. how to film and the right angles and the camera and the way to, like, do the audio of an actual visual production. They would not know that. But I mean, you could there say are this, yeah. the lyrics. I am, I'm with you on that. When did... So, a rapper from day one doesn't have someone ghostwriting for them, right? I would hope. Yeah, I mean, most don't. He's but also, like, like coming, like, what, started from the ba- bottom, now we're here. Yo, you're on fucking Degrassi. <laughs> but before that. Is that but, speaking to his experience before everyone starts then? Yeah. I know. Well, okay. <laughs> but like, yeah, but he wasn't gifted anything. He's not someone that has a yeah, famous parents or anything like that. He had to get on Degrassi, even if he is talking about before that. I don't have a problem with that line. I think it more though is like, do you know when the ghostwriting started? I don't. And honestly, I don't particularly I also... care. Like, because I think there's a lot to be said when you recognize your strengths and recognize your weaknesses. So what's his strengths? His strengths is being a great director who brings all this shit together. He has the vision and he brings it together. And whether he uses it or not, like Dr. Dre made some of the best rap albums of all time. And he is a shit rapper. So he had, had other people write his lyrics for him. And Dr. Dre deserves all the credit in the world for 2001 and for the chronic Mm-hmm. And, like, he didn't write those lyrics, but he is the director of the symphony who brought it all together. He brought Snoop Dogg in. He had great him write producer. the lyrics. Eminem. Yeah. Like, he brought all those pieces together to make a great thing. <clears throat> and, you know, whether Drake writes his lyrics or not, and, like, it's never been totally clear, I don't care because the music itself is still amazing, and he is the one who brought all the pieces together. And he got Noah Forty Shabib to produce the record and make it the way he wanted to sound. He had Karina Evans, you know, direct this video that really brought the music to another level and had this visual piece to add to it. And so... Yeah, but you could say, again, you could say that about any rapper who he gets into rap battles with. So it's like, you got a team behind you doing that where it's like, think about Kendrick. Like, do you think he's just like got a team behind him when he just 
knock down Drake a bunch of times? Well, of course not. And Drake Drake knows his place, and he's not ever going— I don't going, think he did. He, he doesn't get into it with Kendrick. Yes, like, he did. Not really. Yeah. He wasn't really trying to come at Kendrick. Like, everybody, everybody knows their place when it comes to Kendrick Lamar. And, like, he's not going to get into it with J. Cole. And I think he knows, like, all right, you know, as far as rappers go, like, they're better than me, and that's fine. But I don't know that they make better music than him because, you know, they are better rappers. They are better lyricists, no doubt. There's no question about that whatsoever. I, I don't know if they Drake. are from, like, the platform that Drake has built for himself. I think where you're going, it's undeniable. He yeah. has accomplished a ton and is extremely well-known and has made a shit ton of money, sells out shows left and right. He's accomplished a ton. So Kendrick's he, kind of the same, though. Agreed. That guy has gone away. We have not heard a fucking word from him in a minute. He's going to come back and it's going to be like one of the biggest things ever. Oh, yeah. And there's there's no doubt. But, this, but respectfully, that. this is not a Drake versus Kendrick. Thing. Yeah. No, it's but what I'm, so I'm just think... trying to say with my point on that is that, at least in my mind, in terms of just sort of, you know, him being this director, it, it just comes back to the lyrics for me. Mm-hmm. When we look back at some point, I think Drake will be mentioned in the same list of people as a Kendrick during this this generation of rap and where it's going i think those names will both come out in the sentence so no doubt he's accomplished a lot i think Corey, you did a nice job explaining the director piece of that and foo fighters would be likened too you'd never list only them in a sentence when you're saying a very very high performing rock artist in the right. in the 90s you'd have a list of people and they're probably going to be listed in there and the reason you're you're making your points is why are they listed in there and so I don't. We got to get away from the Kendrick and Drake. You probably would say he, Kendrick, Kendrick's better, but Absolutely. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Drake has still accomplished a lot more than many others. No, that's true. And while he, writing he, he some deserves, of his own, while not, I, I there's got to be credit given in there because he's not going to sing shit he doesn't like. Yeah, right. he deserves his place. And you know, I'm not trying to put him above Kendrick. I would not argue that point. That would be a fool's errand. But he deserves his place in the conversation of like the best rappers of the last 10 years. Yeah. And not like, not the best rapper talent wise, but like the best person putting out music in the rap game. I would put him, Kendrick, J. Cole, top three. He's probably third out of those, but those are my three from the last 10 I years. I don't, I mean, I think music and from my perspective, I would probably agree with you. I think it, depending on how you're measuring that, you'd put Drake above in terms of, I, I bet he grosses more than J. Cole. Oh, absolutely. As a Do brand. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, as a I brand. think, like, again, if we're talking about, like, the accomplishment and what he's done from, like, building that platform up, I, I, I don't know. He might be earning more than even a Kendrick. So oh, I, I think we, you'd have to see no about how that, like, shakes out. But that's a great way of bleeding into point one and three beam i'd like to flip it yeah let's let's, let's go let's into a couple more points of the foo fighters well so i it kind of made me think and it wasn't something i actually had down but oh. you back when like mtv was a thing and like there were like a constant run of like music videos mid to late 90s yeah right and which is basically <laughs> when foo fighters reality television right this, but this is kind of when foo fighters was like truly coming up like those music videos were absolutely insane. Think about the one for Everlong. Like, that's a crazy one. That's, like, a memorable one, I remember. Like, that's one that I just, like, that will always stick with me in terms of, like, when I think of that song, I think of that music video. Um, I'd like to jump on Team Beam for one second. Can you just talk about Everlong? What about Everlong? That's it. I feel like just, just that talk song? about Everlong. So, I mean, and he did the drumming on that, too. Like, that, fuck, what do you call it? On the, uh... The Phil? 
the fill on there. Yeah, it's absolutely it, it's insane. And and you know that's that's Dave Grohl doing that. Plus, like that's a song that's just like is imprint like it, it is imbur- it's burned in everyone's brain. Do you hate that song? No, exactly. Like, as far as <laughs> as far as the Foo Fighters catalog, I am very lukewarm on the whole thing. I am. 100% in on Everlong and in on Monkey Wrench. Those are the two. Monkey Wrench, yeah, the video for that wasn't as great, but that's a great song. What's in the Learn to Fly when they're on the when they're on yeah, the plane? Yeah, when it's all Dave Grohl, yeah. That, that music video is so funny to me. Like And the Big Me too is like when they did that like spin-off of like the the, Men- the Mentos co- uh, commercials, like that was hilarious. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Like his, his, their music videos have always been I think at least somewhat, you know, really interesting. Again, I think they you know, one by one was a crazy one too. Like it was just them like in a white room and then it just like kind of like flashed red. Also, so like kind of getting into one of my other points though, one by one, like they, like the timing on that is so weird in the beginning, just sort of that intro, like the muted, the muted chords that he does in the beginning and singing over that. I feel like that's, I, that's impressive to me just in terms of the timing on that. I mean, obviously it breaks out into like a normal song, like, you know, normal timing, but like that music video too always stuck with me though, because like it was just hit in like, all right, but going on to like what my, like one of my true points. So like it, it was a Nat song. It was prevalent in Nat song. It's prevalent in Monkey Wrench. The man's clean to like scream vocals are unreal. Unreal. And, and, it's just like I don't know, like the way that he's able to transition so easily, somehow melodically scream in the way that he can. Best of me is like a really, really good example. Or of best of, is it? Yeah, it's best of me or best of you. Best of you. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. My um, but yeah, it's no. Okay. Good thing he's not the one, <laughs> the one pushing for Foo Fighters. Yeah, right. But no, like that one is amazing. Um, no, you, I mean, you, shit. The other thing too is like, uh, Bridges Burn. Like the scream on that is absurd. It's no, just you wailing. Can, and I do appreciate that about him. Like, you can really feel it when he does it. And, like, it It's never, controlled. Right. And it never rings false. Like, it's not a false note when he does it. Like, you can genuinely feel like, oh, yeah. He's, he's just it was really, perfectly placed. He's just mm-hmm. feeling this line, so he's going to fucking scream it. And, yeah, it, it's it's really good the way he transitions like, into it. Like, if you've ever listened to this, so, what is it? I got, I, the name of it is fucking crazy. Echoes patience and silence. I think is the name of it. I thought there were more. There were more to it. Uh, like Not I thought there was long. like <laughs> just, just four words. He can't handle that. <laughs> no, no. I thought it was like and grace was like another one, but uh, echoes patience and silence. So on that one, let it die. I don't know if you've ever listened to that song. The it starts out so just like real clean, just real light, real delicate, and then fucking explodes to him just well, just screaming like almost like screeching to that point, and it's just like. It's a it the buildup on that song is fucking amazing. So, I think the man's ability to be able to scream and sing in the way that he does is uh, not many people can do it like him. Um, Consistently for so long while touring, it's great. I, I agree right, with you. Right, right, and that kind of I mean I don't know where we are. Vocal cards chords are like a marvel yeah the fact that he's been doing that for that long like yeah because you know there's folks that have like really messed up their vocal cords i'm thinking like they like, travis shettle and piebald had like had to have surgery after yeah. like five years and Was dave grohl's been doing this shit forever then the lead singer of acdc too like are have an issue with that there was someone else too like famous where they had to do like i don't know the he is legend guy shifted to the point fucked where you, up his you, voice you can like not even I mean, it is. You, he still has a great voice, and I think he does a good job with it. But it completely changed from that. Right. He is legend to um, 
right or I am Hollywood or whatever the name of yep, that album I is. I am Hollywood too. And to the to the next one that came after yeah. it was a stark difference. So right. to do it for that long is insane. The range is outstanding and then there's some points where I don't even know how he's breathing. Dude, oh, monkey I'm wrench. I'm fucking monkey wrench. I don't understand that. that. Bridge. I've tried it. Does it? Like I don't I don't get it. Beam's an accomplished screamer, and it is one of our favorite things to do is to have him try to get through Monkey Wrench like that. It's so There's gotta fucking be a hard. secret breath somehow in there. It's, so, it's gotta know. be like this circular breathing sort of thing, like because that's what I know that like he's like fish, or I mean a whale probably is the better, like the aquatic mammals who can hold their breath for so long and just be able to get through. I don't even understand. I can't do Monkey Wrench's long bridge whilst talking and like saying it. Oh, he I, does, yeah, he does it so do clearly. It with, like the amount of exhaling that you have to do when you're screaming with that like intensity, it's it's wild. There's got to be something that it's he's great just point. mastered, and he's like, in that way, he is a master of his craft, mm-hmm. and I I do appreciate that. I mean, the thing too about it for me is like, let's say Nirvana just kept going. I mean, there was no way that ever would have been the case. He, Kurt Cobain was a fucking train wreck, yeah. but. Uh, he could have just been behind the drums the entire time. Because, like, I guess sort of the story of it was is that he, the Dave Grohl, like, held on. He was recording the songs, but just never let them see the light of day. Like, never. I think he just, like, didn't want to show him the Kurt or, like, any of that sort of shit. Recording what? Foo Fighters songs? Yeah, Foo Fighters wow. songs. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, and that, then. That is a, that that's an incredible, like, incredible what if, you know? Yeah. What if. It is. The Foo Fighters never happened because... Dude, can you imagine being that talented that you're the drummer in a band of, like, Nirvana? Which, which one of the biggest bands in the world. That's undeniable. At, for I mean, we're, all, we're all there with that. That is a generational right. band. Yeah. and That was a shift. Yes, that was they huge. defined huge, music, like, yes. and defined a huge shift. Yeah, definitely took it down a whole different path and created roads from it. It was wild. But anyways... Can you imagine being so talented and, and and inspired to write music that on the side you are writing Foo Fighters songs and you're like, I'm just not going to show them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a whole other world. Like, like, I think the reason I asked you to bring up Everlong, it's such a good song. It it's is. Like, like well-written, unbelievable song. I, That's I just a, think it's so good. He, they could play that anywhere, and you're going to get the entire bar, cra- whatever. They're, everyone's going to sing along to that. My head starts moving immediately thinking about it. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely. And then, I don't know. I, I think for him to have possibly just like written songs like that, and he's just putting them to the side because, I don't really need these right now. I think it's insane. It takes so much work to write good music like that. I don't know. Where we are on points? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I did four. I have one more. He's holding one. Where are you? So I I mean, this is kind of goes. I'm just gonna go into kind of my last point with go them. Is uh, so that's like you said, uh, just in terms of like you know, their live show. they so, you know, say what you will about their records, right? Honestly, I do have to say that I've never seen them live, and I would like to to see what all the fuss is about because. <laughs> Because people like swear by it, and Weezer's another one that I've never seen live, and people swear by it, and I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm, right, I'm very yeah. lukewarm on Weezer's music apart from the Blue Album right. and Pinkerton. Like yeah. after that, it's like whatever, I don't really care that much. But people swear by Weezer live, and I feel like I got to see it. And even though I'm lukewarm about the Foo Fighters, I feel like I got to see it live. So the other thing, though, like in terms of their records, right? In terms of their whole discography, it's not the strongest. There's no doubt about that. But, like, to start out with, like, the self-titled, which is, it's a pretty damn good album. Then the color and the shape, which was just, like, 
I don't know. I know that just kind of like rocketed him up to sort of where they are now. Bringing it to the live show they have, it's just there's so much fucking energy. Dave Grohl somehow is able to keep it up like screaming most of the time, it feels like, and is still able to keep it up for like three hours. And the entire, th- and he's, he goes through the peaks and valleys. I mean, there was one time I saw them do like a two hour set at Sasquatch and they just tore through everything. And just, you know, it was a great show because being at one of their shows is like going to like a Tom Petty concert, I feel like, where you're just going to know every song. You're not going to know that going into that show, but you're going to be able to almost like sing along or recognize almost any song that they have going on there because they are that relevant. They've stayed that relevant and they just constantly are able to make a song that's always going to pop up and sort of stay in your memory. When you go see them live, you're going to be like, oh yeah, and then probably singing along. Um, and they just have this energy to them where watching Taylor Hawkins play the drums, like I know we just said how he's just sort of one of the best drummers, and then just watching Dave Grohl just like run around the fucking place, um, you know, sometimes going up on this high rise where he's high above the crowd, like when I saw them in DC, like just absolutely insane. And to keep that up for three hours and there's, and there's not much else to it other than like, yeah, maybe some lights, but like, it's just a rock show and they're, they fucking, I mean, I saw them at city field. They sold out City Field. And that's also when he broke his leg, played on a fucking, like, Iron Throne, or, you know, Game of Thrones-esque throne. I thought that was obnoxious. Made out of guitars. Made out of guitars. (laughs) Well, it's fine. The fact that that he knighted himself as the fucking rock king. (laughs) He did it, I guess, when he was on drugs after, like, you know, was in the hospital bed. He, like, designed it. (laughs) I'm for that. Dude, it was so awesome. I don't know where you're coming from with that. I don't know. It seems like a little... He was literally wheeling around this... Dude, I'm not sure where you're coming from with that. It's fucking awesome. There's a long (laughs) runway that, like, went out into the crowd, and he, like, it drove down it. He's just... (laughs) Drove. (laughs) Drove. (laughs) It had wheels. I thought it you was have no ground to stand Maybe I'm wrong. All right, fine, fine. I'm wrong. I'll take it. I still think it's obnoxious. And he's just... I'll be wrong. But... It, it was built so he could still do these shows. He fucking still performed and was still rocking out and was still losing his shit and still... Like, I went to a fucking, like, baseball stadium show to watch a guy who was sitting the entire time mm-hmm. but thoroughly entertained me. How'd he break his leg? I don't know. I think he fell off stage. Wow. Okay. What's yeah, doing with the broken leg? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, yo, he felt, yo, he Drake, felt. to my knowledge, has broke zero bones. I'm pretty sure. And <laughs> in his whole life. Sp- sprains? Sprains or strains? <laughs> He's a he baller, cares. right? Or something? I don't know. Listen, like, I, so I think at that show, too, he fell off stage, broke his leg, laid on his back and finished the song and told people that he broke his leg. <laughs> Got taken off stage. The band still played for a little bit more. And I think he came back out. So they, like, set his leg and he, like, Dude, still kept playing. Michael Jordan with the flu. <laughs> Flu game. Flu, flu game. game, Michael that Jordan. Definitely and honestly, that rolls back into my point. Dave Grohl is one of the best human beings of all time. Well, I, furthering that, first self-titled album, do you know when it came out? 94. 94, I think. 95. Or 95, right? And it was a year after. Color and Shape was 96? 97. Seven. 97. Yep. But um, I I didn't get like too into the two most recent albums. I listened to them. Producing an album, Concrete and Gold, what's the date? I don't know. 2017 22 years and actively still churning out records which is that's a lot so drake drake what do you got on the drake front so my last point on drake and at first this might 
this might seem like an odd comparison, so just bear with me for a moment. Interesting. Hmm. But to me, Drake is the Quentin Tarantino of rap. Okay. And what I mean by that... <laughs> hot take. And what I mean by that... Hot. Hot take. And what I mean by that is that, in the end, Drake is a lover of rap. Just like Quentin Tarantino is a lover of film. And oh, God. This is already a horrible point. Quentin Tarantino always pays homage to all these things in his movies. And his movies are essentially a mishmash of different movies that he loves and he wants to put in and he makes it his own in that way and drake does the same thing with hip-hop and he always gives loving homage to all these kind of micro scenes within hip-hop so he did this with the houston scene and the chopped and screwed music on his early records and with his you know mid-career he did it with atlanta and he did trap music on if you're reading this it's too late and he did it on the What a Time to Be Alive uh, collab record with Future. And, you know, I think it speaks to the fact that when he does these homages to these different scenes, he always brings people from those scenes and legends of those scenes into it with him. And in that way, I always feel like it's loving homage as a part as opposed to appropriating these different types of music and different styles of music. And then he did it with dancehall music on the next two records, Views and More Life, and he did Jamaican dancehall, and he brought in Pop Can, one of the most famous, you know, dancehall musicians. And lately, now he's doing New Orleans bounce music, which is what he did with Nice, nice For What and what he did with... In My Feelings, and you know, in the In My Feelings video, he bought Big, Big Frida, an absolute bounce legend, into it, and he paid loving homage to it. And I think that, just like Quentin Tarantino does with his films, Drake is a huge rap fan who wants to bring attention to other little-known little sects of hip-hop and rap music. Drake as Quentin Tarantino. Hot. Hot take. <laughs> I want to see your notes. Is that the note? Yeah. I don't have this down in my notes at all, but I'm going to actually come back with you in terms of comparison. What do you think Dave Grohl's been doing his entire fucking career? It is an homage to, like, all of the rock gods that have come before him. Everything that he does in terms of, like, playing with Paul McCartney and playing on stage for when he did, I think it was it, um... I don't know if it was like a live aid or it was like kind of one of those things. I don't things. feel like he does it in his music. Like, the albums are just the same note every time. And it's never well, that's like, not true. It's never like shifted, really. It's just straightforward alternative rock. Right, which is kind of what the dude like grew up on in a way. And then you think too, like everyone that he brings in with him, like it just like all the different people that he collaborates, like maybe not in his songs, but as like an artist in general, that dude just is constantly paying homage to all of the rock people that came before him. Might not be in the music, but like you're just talking about rock music and riffs and everything else can always be lifted and sort of like, you know, I guess, uh, kind of blended together sort of within whatever their sound is. Like, Pearl Jam does that too. Like, one of their biggest influences is Kiss. You would hear that in just sort of the guitar riff of Alive, but you wouldn't really, like, it doesn't sound like Kiss at all. Like, that kind of thing. So I don't know if it's sort of different in terms of, like, hip-hop and beats and what have you, but just going back to, like, Dave Grohl and just being someone who's constantly, like, you know, giving back to, like, the rock community, that's all that guy does. 
Like, he's got fucking... He had Lemmy Kilmeister drive a limo, in, uh, a song called White Limo for them, for, uh, you know, just driving around. One of the, you know, a god from uh, Motorhead. Yeah. You know. But uh, having, collaborating with people, you know, like Led Zeppelin, they're just even Paul McCartney, and just being able to have the relationships that he has. But all those things, and I appreciate what you're saying, but all those things, he is paying homage to rock gods who are already legends. Drake is bigging up smaller people. Like, you've never heard of Big Frida. That's fair enough. He's bringing that to a wider audience. You know, he he made Future bigger, and it also helped Drake. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, Drake isn't getting anything out of this. Of course he is. But he's also bringing people who are from these smaller little micro scenes to a bigger audience. And I think he deserves credit for that. He made Houston music... And the whole Houston scene more popular. Houston had a resurgence once Drake started coming out and talking about how big Houston was and an influence on him. And now people recognize Houston as like a huge hip hop hub. And he did the same thing for Atlanta trap music. It became huge and like a massive thing once Drake started doing it. And it was big already. Don't get me wrong. Like Two Chains was out there. You know, Future was already out there. But Drake brought it to a wider attention and audience. And I think. You know, in that way, he's doing it in a way that's not necessarily paying homage to things of the past. He's bigging up lesser known things, which is what I feel like Quentin Tarantino did. A lot of the films he's referencing are things that people normally haven't ever seen before. No, that's fair enough. And I think he's like, you know, you really need to see this film because it's a masterwork. And it sometimes is, it sometimes isn't. But like, he wants to show love to all those things. And it helps Quentin Tarantino, obviously. It helps Drake. And it helps Drake's image. God, this whole comparison to Quentin Tarantino is killing me. Like, you just don't like it because you love Quentin Tarantino and you don't like Drake. Well, Quentin, Tar- Quentin think- Tarantino didn't necessarily do that. He's Quentin Tarantino more so like did kind of what Dave Grohl does, just constantly paying homage to like different things and including that in his work. Yeah, which is what Drake does. No, what you're talking about is bringing someone up. That's very both. different. He's saying both. He's saying how he would... He pays homage he pays to, different, to Houston and Atlanta, like different, different, different geographic forms of rap. I mean, they do have a little bit of different spins on them, so that's kind of where. He yeah, and he brings it to a wider audience, and I think that's good. But is that what Quentin Tarantino did? Yeah, he brought little-known films and things like, you know, All right. the original like black exploitation, like the exploitation films and grindhouse films. Like most people had never heard of that, and right. then he comes out with Death Proof and does the Planet Terror thing and does the grindhouse film, and like all of a sudden people are super interested in exploitation films. That's fair enough. And so you know he's bringing it more attention to little pockets that people sometimes ignore, mm. and I appreciate that about what Drake does and how he. He's, he's opened my eyes to different types of music. And I don't particularly like, you know, dance hall music on its own, but I like Drake's spin on it. And he brought that to my attention and, like, I explored it because of him. Um, and so I appreciate what he does with that. So that's all our points, I think. Well, no. Oh. This is my one big reason. So, like, I can't really argue against Drake, like, on a lot of those. I mean, some of them I'm not going to, like, hoist him up to that level. My biggest problem is going back to this. Drake kisses 17-year-old fan on stage in Unearth video clip. The dude gets t- kisses the girl on stage. You know what I'm talking about, right? Kisses the girl on stage. Asks how old she is. She says 17. Kisses her again. I can't go to jail yet, is what he says. And then there's been other stuff. The Millie Bobby Brown texting. 
the Billie Eilish texting. I think there were other reports about like younger aged women that he'd been kind of. He stays in porn stars DMs. Stays in them. The dude is creepy <laughs> as fuck. How old is he? Thirty something. Creepy as fuck. Can't say I knew a lot about that. Can't support that dude. Can't like listen to his music and like him talking about like women. And I'm like, what age are we talking about at this yeah, the point? The best I ever had. How old was the girl? How old was about? the girl? <laughs> That's a good question because you talk about bringing emotion into it. Are we cheering on someone that's like into like cause pedophilia? Going back to our going oh. back to our emo conversation, right? I mean, this is my issue with Drake. This is my biggest fuck him being corny. Ooh. Fuck all that shit. He is creepy as fuck. That's a good like. All right, let that simmer. What do you have any <laughs> comments about Foo Fighters? being creepy no 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 just let's just like you know you had a chance to beam's points were big and he had a couple good ones and some in there and then you know i think you should respond a little bit to those so i don't have anything on foo fighters because you know i've already it's already been stated that i'm wrong about the rock throne thing thing so i'll just take that that's fine (laughs) but i i'm not i'm not gonna try and defend drake Kissing the seventeen-year-old on stage—that was that was poor form. When was that? If he hits us with like a two thousand seventeen, that's tough. Why? Because it's so recent. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that's a tough one. When was this? And See, if he's right about like the asking and then kissing again, that's, that's oh probably, no, that's what happens in the video. No, yeah, I, no, I, I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not defending no, that. Yeah. Not gonna try and defend that. Yeah, I, I just was hoping it would be like two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Hmm. I mean. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. I'm not gonna. I'm it's not gonna defend not good. that. Now, yeah, that's that's a bad look. Yeah, it is on stage. It's kind of innocent with it on stage. I don't think it's going any further than that. But it's weird. it was. It was innocent. You know, it's on stage. It was. It was innocent. And when he said, "I can't go to jail," that you're you're clearly misconstruing the tone. Yeah, but he does then say like, "How are you bringing all this and no, stuff?" No, it's like, weird. That's no. That's, how do you look like this? It's creepy. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. creepy. Yeah. It's not. It's not great, but uh, there's nothing. There's nothing there that rises to the level of anything we discussed with Jesse Lacey. So don't try and connect it. That's no. That's nothing in comparison. Yeah, it's, it's a little creepy. I, a I, little. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. he mentioned texting some other younger women. Fourteen-year-old Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. Seventeen-year-old Billie Eilish. I think there's been other stories too. There's other been other oh, rumors. Texting what? Nice job in Stranger Things. I think so. I miss you is one of them. Like he misses the show. Like yeah, it's creepy, but he's not. There, mm. There's nothing that rises to the level of Jesse Lacey there. I mean, so but Millie Bobby creepy. Brown. Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown defends it, right? Which okay, it's fine. She says, "I love him." She said, adding that he is a great friend and a great role model. We just texted each other the other day, and he was like, I miss you so much. And I was like, I miss you more. He's great. Why are you okay with that? You're, not, like, I'm seemingly not. very okay with it. You're like, so? Well, he is Team Drake. Listen, today, I, so. have, I have what's in front of me just like you. And, like, yes, he does some creepy stuff. He's also contributed a lot to rap. And you know what? As, as long as... Well, lots of people contributed a lot of things to, to, to culture and arts and what have you and... Turns out they were awful. Do we forgive them? 
No, but like he hasn't done anything that I would say rises to the level of awful. And as soon as it does, I will renounce him the same way I renounced Brand New, the same way I renounced Michael Jackson. I don't listen to Michael Jackson anymore. When it comes out, I'll shut it off. <laughs> if and when, I will shut it off. Until then, I, I am a Drake fan. You said as soon as it comes out, then I'll stop. <laughs> Yeah, like, all right, if it happened, it happened, and it, and once I know, I'll stop the same way I did with the other people that I loved. Polarizing point to bring up at the end here. It is. All right. All right. John, I think you have to Yeah, you want to weigh in here? Ooh. I yeah. mean, you can weigh in. I want to say. <laughs> here we go. Closing arguments. No, this isn't a closing argument, and you know what? I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get the same from Beam, because Beam's a dick. <laughs> But what I'm going to say is having this discussion has brought me to a greater appreciation of Foo Fighters. I'm not going to go and love them all of a sudden, but I have a greater appreciation because of what Beam has shared. And I will put that out there and I will say that having this discussion has been a good thing. And, you know, say what you will. I'm not going to say he won because I don't think he did, but... I do think that he raised some great points, and I do think that it was a worthy exercise going through this. I've never disliked Drake's music. Drake has done a lot in terms of, like, for hip-hop, and, and, and I think kind of the popularity, too, where it's at right now. Um, I learned a lot in terms of, like, him giving back. I know we've kind of talked about that sort of stuff before. I will give you that. However, in the back of my mind is that video, and it weirds me out. So I can't always just excuse it. I'm not saying that, like, you didn't make me appreciate his music more, but you definitely didn't make me like him more as a person. Not my job. I'm not I'm not litigating Drake as a human. I already said I have no interest in grabbing a beer or going to the strip club with that dude. Whatever he does, Do I have no interest. Do you strip clubs often? Him? No, you. No. I, 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 hate, I hate strip clubs. They make me feel very uncomfortable. They're weird. Yeah. I, do you think Drake loves them? I know Drake loves them. <laughs> For a fact. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what was the line? I thought I fell in love with the stripper last year, but fuck it, I was wrong, though. <laughs> yeah, Drake loves strippers. Do you yes. think you wrote that line? Anyways. Uh, so what's... <laughs> That's <laughs> throwing, nice. Throwing darts. That's nice over here. He's coming. He's coming with some steam. Yeah, all right. So it was it was great to listen to him. So I would say to, to to go back to where I came into this here. I like both artists a lot, and I know some songs by both well, and others I I don't know. I mean, I haven't gone through from start to finish all the way. I have with Foo Fighters. I have not with Drake. I should clarify that. But I like I like the longevity uh, and consistency that Foo Fighters has brought to a rock scene. I think the ability to be able to do as much for rock as what Drake has done for rap is a little bit tougher. I mean, rap really began as a street art form in, I think, like, early 70s, but really took off more in the 80s. Is that accurate? So, mid-70s is when you started to have DJs and started doing the breakbeats thing, mm -hmm. and the first hip-hop record that, like, everybody kind of accepts as the first hip-hop record was Sugar Hill Gang um, in 1979. Okay. Um, so that's when the genre started. Okay. Rock. Been around for a minute. 
it's been around for a while, and it can go back to. I mean, I think you'd have a tough time really pegging it, but you could probably. It's probably forties or fifties is the origin time frame. I'd say fifties for like rock. I think Elvis Presley. Yeah. really did a lot for bringing rock music to the fore and taking it from being like more bluesy country. That's where it stuff. would have come from is kind of the bluesy bluegrass stuff yeah, coming into it. It into... evolved out of that and I'd say the 50s is when you started to really have rock music. Yeah. And I think people often talk about Chuck Berry as the guy mm-hmm. who started rock rock yep. music in the 50s. Yep. Yeah, my my point to it is I don't know that Foo Fighters had quite the same ability to shape the their genre of music the same way that Drake has with rap because it's just it's earlier in its life and they're the last of a dying breed in a way like I just don't feel like there are many straightforward rock bands they are at at their magnitude now I don't think that like I agree they're not putting out music that others are replicating. Not, I mean, I think they're a solid, solid rock band. I don't, right. I don't think people are today saying I want to make music just like the Foo Fighters. I right. think, I think they are. It's difficult. They have a, just a sound of their own. They stick to it. They're doing it, and it is great. They almost compare more to the '90s bands than they do to rock that's coming out today. Right. Um. But again, that's where they're at. Twenty-two years of active actively producing albums and playing music for longer than that that's wild um selling out the stadiums they do too they do i mean now selling out stadiums is kind of on the same level playing field there i mean drake is absolutely selling shit out yeah um you know drake is is uh i liked him more earlier i think than where he's at today with some of the shit he's been doing uh foo fighters certainly write their own stuff and have been doing that for a long time. So that is, they've done it 22 years of, of producing their own music. I think there's a lot of hand-holding that's happening on the Drake end of things. I'm running over points in my own head. I think you guys brought it today. This is a very challenging one. You don't have to declare a winner if you not if you don't want to. Like, it can be a stalemate. But, like, you're, you reviewing these points is also great. Like, yeah. It, it's, it is, and I, I think Beam... You mentioning that Foo Fighters are a dying breed, and I think that's unfortunate. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know when they go away, I don't know who's going to take their mantle as, like, far as keeping rock going. And that's unfortunate. I was hoping it was going to be Queens of the Stone Age, but then they made this last album they came out with, and it was awful. I just don't think they can even be in the same breath right now. They're not even close to where Foo Fighters are. But anyways, yes, I agree. There isn't really anyone that's going to take the place of what Foo Fighters are doing. Right, and rock rock isn't going away. Like, it will always exist. But right now, I feel like it's so much... I wish synthesizers would. <laughs> There's so many synthesizers in rock and roll. I feel like it's never going to go away. Like, you still have Titus Andronicus. You still have all these others. But they're not in the mainstream and not in the public consciousness the same way that Foo Fighters are. And I don't know... I don't know who's going to take that mantle in terms of like a mainstream rock star. Like mm-hmm. I and and that's unfortunate. I, it is. Like you know, when Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters go away whenever that is, like it's going to be it's going to be a bad day for rock and roll. I will say that. Yeah. So here's where I'm at with this is the is the debate and in terms of like declaring a winner here I, I guess I'm going to answer this two different ways. In terms of who's done more for the genre that they are in, in terms of developing it right. and where they're going and, and bringing others along like that, I give it to Drake. Yeah. I think from a musical artist standpoint, 
I have to go Foo Fighters. To be writing your own stuff for 22 years, for the guys involved in that, what musically they can accomplish individually and as a group, they're better musicians. They are better artists in that sense. And I know Drake is covering some different things with the production and things like that, but there's a lot of hand-holding there. I know it happens on Dave Grohl's front, but I also know that he is one of the most intimidating musicians in the industry to partner with because he is so, so talented. Well, he does a lot in terms of like with recording other artists too. Like, exactly. I mean, all right. So exactly. Queens of Stone Age, he's we, that guy. We didn't know so much about Queens of Stone Age until like, oh, Dave Grohl's drumming on that album. Like yeah. he's, he's done a lot in terms of, yeah, working with other artists in that sense. But I think Drake will leave a, I mean, if you, for example, you Google the best rappers of all time right now. Right. I mean, Drake is on the list as you roll down. He He's, he's like 7th to 15th right. in terms of what they're accomplishing. Maybe 7th to, to 20th. I mean, you know you're going to have Big E and Pac and, and, and you have to put Eminem up there for all that he's Absolutely. done and stuff. Like, you've got these guys that are, are, are ahead of where Drake will ever get, in my opinion. But Foo Fighters, when you start talking about rock and, like, what are the bands that you would list out as like the 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 founding fathers and like those those lasting bands that have had such an impact on that genre? I don't think they're quite up there with it. You're going no. Rolling Stones, you're going Beatles, you're going with some of those, you know, the Skinner and some of these bands that brought a lot of different things together earlier on. And some of that's just from when Foo Fighters stepped in. They, rock was there 30 years earlier. So I think I'm going to leave it that way with it. I think Drake has done more for rap than Foo Fighters for rock. I think Foo Fighters are absolutely doing more from a musical artist standpoint. They are unbelievably talented musicians and and, and both have accomplished a tremendous amount. I'll, I'll agree with all of that. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. All right. Well, John, thanks for coming on. Thanks for mediating this discussion. Thanks for keeping us on track. I won't say that we did a great job of staying on track. What, I'm going to work on that. What's our time at? A lot. Uh, yeah. But, like, thanks thanks for coming in. Got to do a better job of keeping people on track. But, you know, that's that's not totally your job. It isn't your job at all. You I'm did not a- really sure if this is top five ways I could improve on <laughs> handling the podcast. Let's just stick to where we're at here. All right. You're welcome. You Let's end it there. All right. Well done, Beam. Well done, John. Thanks for coming on. Great job, Corey. It feels like someone should say it for you, too. Uh, I, I, I don't need it, but I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next time. Quentin Tarantino <laughs> podcast, Corey Tepsey. <laughs>